Again, our scripture reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. Jesus speaking says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It will be like a man going away. He leaves his house. He puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This morning uh, marks the first Sunday of Advent, which are the four weeks that lead us up to Christmas Day. And the word Advent, it comes from a Latin word, uh, and the word is Adventus, which means arrival or uh, coming. And so the season of Advent, it is a time for us, as uh, for believers all across the world, regardless of, of what Christian tradition you might be a part of, uh, it's a time for us not only to celebrate and to remember the first Advent, so Christ coming into the world, the birth of Christ, but as our gospel reading for today reminds us, it's also a time of anticipation. It's a time where we look forward to the second advent, where we acknowledge and we remember that Christ is going to come again. And the last few weeks, uh, it seems like our scripture readings from the Gospel of Matthew, we've spent the last uh, three weeks in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, they've been preparing us for the season of Advent. Um, so uh, three weeks ago, there was the parable of the ten bridesmaids, uh, and it's a parable contrasting those bridesmaids who were, who were prepared for the coming of the bridegroom in comparison to the other five who were not prepared. Um, and then two weeks ago, it was the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold, depending on the translation that you have. And when the master returns, he's going to ask his servants, what did you do with what you were given? What did you do with the resources that I entrusted you with? Were you faithful with them? And how someday, you and I, we might have to reconcile that very same question when it comes to our lives. What did you do with what you were given? With your time, with your resources, your opportunities, everything else that you were blessed with, were you faithful with what you were entrusted with? What would your response to that question be? And then last week, Jesus tells another parable about separating the sheep from the goats. It's one of the most familiar passages in all of the Gospels, and I would argue maybe one of the most important passages in all of the Gospels. To the sheep on his right, he says, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Come, receive your inheritance. For I was hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, lonely, imprisoned, and during those times you cared for me because whatever you do to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, that is what you have done to me. And last week we said one thing that we noticed while studying that passage is every single thing that Jesus talks about has to do with our relationship with other people. How we love and treat our neighbor, especially those who are most in need. And again, so the last three weeks, there's, there's been this common theme uh, of being wise, of being ready 
being prepared as we anticipate and as we look forward to the return of Christ. Have any of you ever seen those stories? Usually it's a mom or a dad or it's a brother or a sister who's just spent months and months overseas on deployment. And uh, when they get home, they usually find these really creative, awesome ways to surprise their family. Maybe you've seen videos like this before. And it's usually uh, in unexpected ways or in unexpected places. Um, One of my favorites, I saw this about three weeks ago. It was a young boy, maybe 12 years old, 13 years old. And he's sitting in class with all of his classmates. When all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, you hear this voice, maybe the office secretary, who says, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Gallagher, uh, is Caleb Donovan in class today? And after the teacher responds that Caleb is in class, the voice says, okay, the principal will be right down. Uh, She needs to speak with him immediately. And Caleb, who's being secretly recorded through all this, his, his head raises, and you can see his classmates nervously starting to grin. Ooh, what did Caleb do? And about 30 seconds later, there's a knock on the door. And when the teacher opens the door, it's not the principal who walks in, but instead it's his dad, who he hasn't seen in eight months. And immediately, Caleb, he flies out of his chair and runs and just jumps into his father's arms and he wraps his arms around him. And what makes videos like these, at least for me, so moving and beautiful and entertaining is, is not just the obvious love and affection that's shared between these two people, but it's also the fact that love showed up at an unexpected time, uh, in an unexpected way, and in an unexpected place. And I think one of the truths that the season of Advent reminds us of is that God operates in that very same way. That we serve a God who throughout history has shown up and has been present in the places that we least expect. As good-hearted as Mary, the mother of Jesus, was, Mary was not a woman of royalty, There was nothing that distinguished her from her peers. She didn't come from riches or anything else that would make her stand out from the crowd. Some of the very first people to learn about the birth of Jesus were poor, humble shepherds out in a field caring for their flock. When the time for Jesus' birth arrived, Jesus wasn't delivered in a palace surrounded by a great medical team ready beside him to assist Mary, but born in a stable because there was no room at the inn. And it's not just his birth, and it's not just his birth uh, that seemed out of place or unexpected, but all throughout his life, we see this pattern with Jesus. All throughout his life, Jesus, he ate with sinners. He healed the sick, the unclean. Uh, The 12 people that he spent a majority of his time with didn't have any sort of distinguishing credentials about them. He broke down walls between uh, Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans. He challenged people's long-held prejudices and judgments towards one another. And the people who seemed to have the most difficulty recognizing Jesus and embracing Jesus uh, and, and, and embracing who Jesus was should have been the people who recognized him first. 
the people who had the most difficult time recognizing and receiving the person in the ministry of Jesus were the people who should have been the ones who recognized him first. Because somewhere along the way, the Pharisees and the other highly religious folk of the day, their imagination of who God was and where God was and what God was up to had become far too small. They were unable to imagine a God who showed up in ways and places that they were not expecting. And when I think about that idea and I think about that concept, I found myself praying this prayer, and perhaps you might pray it too. Lord, have mercy on us when we have thought the very same thing. Lord, have mercy on on us when we've stopped expecting God to show up in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. Lord, have mercy on us when we've been quick to assume that God's presence and that God's favor is always where we are and not where they are. Lord, have mercy on us. In our scripture reading for today, Jesus, he is again talking about this idea of being ready, of being prepared. Uh, And you see it in his language. Um, Jesus sounds pretty repetitive here. He says, keep watch, be alert. It will be like a master who goes away and leaves his servants in charge, each with their own assigned tasks. He might come back at midnight or at lunchtime or at dawn. You don't know, but the person who's at the door, uh, you, you must keep watch. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, keep watch, be ready, be prepared. And by using this language, Jesus is not telling his listeners that they are to live their lives in this constant state of paranoia, like, don't go to sleep, don't take naps, you know, always stare out the, you know, the window at the sky. Jesus isn't trying to, infor, uh, to, to um, encourage them to live with, with being paranoid. But instead, Jesus is saying, live your lives with your eyes open and your hearts and minds open to the places and the ways that God is present and at work around you. Because if your eyes are not open, and your hearts and your minds are not open, you're going to miss out. And we will miss out. Um, There will be times when Rachel and I will be watching television at night. And I don't know what your personality is like or or how you, uh, what what you're like. But when I can't sleep, I turn on the TV. And whenever the TV's on for about five minutes, I'm out like a light. And uh, Rachel's the exact opposite. And so there'll be times when Rachel and I are watching TV at night, and I'm dozing in and out of consciousness throughout the entire show. Um, I'm doing pretty good. If I make it past, like, the intro credits, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. And, um, and there'll be this, like, big reveal, right, at the end of the show or at the end of the movie. And I'll say something like this. I'll be like, wait, 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 wait. who's that guy? What's so special about that picture with the hummingbird? Why is that significant? And Rachel will sometimes turn to me and say, seriously, did you miss the entire thing? He is her classmate from 30 years ago. That picture, she drew for him in eighth grade art class. They, they, they showed a flashback of it. He held it for 30 years, hoping that he'd meet her again, and now he, he has it, and he's bringing it to her. Did you miss the whole thing? 
but I missed out because I wasn't present. I wasn't there. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know what was going on. And so I missed the significance of what was happening right in front of me. I'm going to sound like a broken wheel because, uh, or a, a, a broken record, sorry, uh, but by saying this. But what if our daily prayer was, God, help me to show up today. Help me to show up today. Open my eyes to all the places and the ways that you are already at work around me because I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. I want to see you in and among the unexpected. I don't want to live my life just assuming that God is always present and at work here with me, but those people over there, God's not over there. God's just always where, where I am and the places where I am. But what if we started uh, almost thinking the opposite of that? What if we just assumed everywhere we went and everybody that we saw, there was this potential and this possibility to join in and to be a part of what God wants to do. One final story before we, before we wrap up. I remember my dad telling me this once. Maybe you've heard this quote before. My dad said to me, he said, Jason, the two greatest days in a boat owner's life, the first day is the day that he buys the boat. The second day is the day that he sells the boat. And uh, I never really understood what my dad meant by that quote, except that I remember my dad being really, really excited this day that we purchased this boat. My dad did. And uh, we would occasionally take this boat out uh, on the Nashua River. And uh, I remember my dad also being really excited three or four years later when he found someone who would buy the boat from him. <laughs> and one day I remember being on the boat with my dad. It was just him and me. I was maybe 12, 13 years old. And I remember the very first time my dad looked over at me and he said, Jason, take the wheel, your turn. And there I was, cruising down the Nashua River at a mean 15 miles an hour. And I looked over at my dad. And my dad had his cooler out and he was beginning to eat his lunch. And I realized something that struck me. My dad has complete and total faith in what I'm doing right now. He's not even looking at this tree that's like 200 feet, and you know, he's just assuming. My dad trusts me with this boat. And uh, the, the enormity of that situation hit me. And I would just tell you today that we don't serve a God who says, now just sit tight. Don't screw things up. Just wait until I get back, until I can just fix things. Just sit there. But instead that we serve a God who entrusts each one of us with this incredible opportunity to join in. To join in and to be a part of seeing God's kingdom come and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we do so, we've got to keep watch. Our eyes and our hearts and our minds must be open and expectant that God is present and at work and God shows up in those unexpected places, in those unexpected ways. 
And our prayer can be, God, I want in. I want to be a part of what you're up to. That our hearts and that our minds and that our imaginations are open and receptive to the God who's at work among the unexpected. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for um, this word today. And I pray that we would hear the words of Jesus in a fresh way today. That we would keep watch. That our eyes and our minds and our hearts would be open to all the different ways that that you are at work um, in and around us, God. Because we don't want to miss out. We don't want to find ourselves sleeping. But we want to be a part of what you are up to. Um, And so, God, I pray that that would be uh, the case with us. That every single person that we see, every situation that that, that we find ourselves in, that we might pray or think to ourselves, this is an opportunity to be where God already is. Help us to think like that. Forgive us for the times where we've just wrongfully assumed that God is always present and at work with us, but maybe not so much with others. But that every person, whether they confess faith or not, whether they are indifferent towards God or not, that every person, there is the opportunity to love them like Jesus. Every person that we meet, know, come in contact with. We don't just dismiss them if they believe, think, or live differently than we do, but every single person is an opportunity to love them like Jesus. We thank you for this word. May it challenge us um, as we seek to follow in your footsteps. And we give you thanks and praise on this first Sunday of Advent. Amen.